Thank you, Samantha, for that prayer that we have the eyes of Jesus. We're in this sermon series on Minority Report, Jesus telling stories and pointing out to us ways that we need to see those who are often left out and forgotten. And before we read our Luke 16 text, you can be turning there in your Bibles if you'd like. Luke 16, beginning in verse 19, I'd like to lead us in prayer. Would you bow with me, please? A time of silence, time of meditation and reflection, and then I'll lead us. Our great and eternal God, you always see us, you always know us. There's no place that we can be on this earth that you are not with us. Give us your eyes that we may see other people around us hurting. We pray for the sick, for the grieving, for those facing surgery, for those dealing with life crises, for private pain that perhaps they can't even share, for those dealing with mental illness and physical illness, domestic tension, job-related stress, for the homeless, for the refugees, for our military, for those who work for peace, for those who work for justice. We pray that your Spirit might work in our world, in our nation, in our own hearts, in our church, as we are honest with you about our sin and failure, As we confess to you, we pray cleansing and we pray a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit that we may be able to hear what you have for us today, that we may be able to go from this place able to see. This is our prayer together in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Luke, the 16th chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 19 and I invite you to stand as I read aloud God's word. Luke 16, 19 and following. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he might warn them so that they might not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, 
if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The gospel of Jesus Christ. May he bless it. You may be seated. I, I don't know what there is about us that fails to see people all around us. Uh, they become invisible people. Uh, what is there about us that fails to see uh, people in their needs, whether it's material needs or spiritual needs? Uh, there is that blindness that comes on us to where we only see uh, what we want to see. Jesus is faithful, ever faithful, in his life and his ministry and his teachings to give us a minority report. This is what it's like to be invisible. This is what it's like to be on the outside looking in. And there is no more vivid story that Jesus ever tells than this story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's, Jesus is a great storyteller, vivid in his uh, color and, and, uh, and its brightness and contrast. And Jesus could just tell a story in such a fascinating way. And so let's meet the two primary characters in this story. First, there is the rich man. I mean, his clothing, his closets were full of these incredible clothes and shoes and, and all kinds of things. Today, he's wearing a bright purple outer robe. Purple was expensive. Uh, the, the dye, purple dye was expensive in Jesus' day. And, and uh, if you wore purple, you were either royalty or you were obscenely wealthy. And the clothing he wore under that was linen, probably imported from Egypt. The man ate fabulous meals. Everybody in the community knew that every meal was a sumptuous feast and every, uh, everything about cuisine that was to be known uh, was known by him because he could afford any kind of food and it was just an incredible feast every day. And he lived in a gated community. Isn't that interesting? Lazarus was outside the gate. The man lived in a gated community where he could have his privacy and his space. This rich man, he had a lot of things going for him. And then there's Lazarus, the poor man. Uh, we know his name. It's the only story that Jesus ever told in which he assigns a name to the character. Most of the stories are, are a man went forth to sow seed or a woman was looking for a coin. But here he gives the poor man, the poor beggar, a name to remind us this man is somebody. This man's life counts. This, life, this man's life matters. He is somebody. He has a name. His name is Lazarus, which means God helps. But why is Lazarus lying at the gate? Is he disabled? Is he so weak with hunger he cannot stand? Is he physically ill? He's lying at the gate. And, and he's absolutely happy to be fed by the scraps that get thrown out. In Jesus' day, uh, people did not use napkins, cloth, or otherwise to wipe their mouth and wipe their hands during a meal. They actually used bread. They would use a piece of bread to wipe their hands. They would use a piece of bread to wipe their mouths, and then they'd throw it away. And those scraps, those bread scraps, were what Lazarus was happy to eat. didn't matter if they had gunk on them. He was happy to eat because that was food. But here's the most vivid part Jesus tells. Kind of gross, 
Jesus says the dogs would always come around and lick the sores. Lazarus had running sores, and the dogs would come along and lick the sores. I told you Jesus could tell a vivid story. No missing that story, mental picture, is there? Well, we've compared and contrasted these two men in life. Let's compare and contrast these two men in death. They both die. Lazarus dies, and Jesus doesn't really say anything about a burial. The rich man dies and was buried. Lazarus, I guess, was so poor he couldn't even afford a burial. We don't know what happened to him. Not even a decent burial, but the rich man dies and is buried. They both die. Lazarus is transported to the very presence of Abraham, a a figurative way of speaking of a place of comfort, a place of security, a place of abundance, a place of care, a place of continuity with ancestors. The rich man, you remember all those lavish mental pictures that Jesus described uh, the rich man, uh, used to describe the rich man, all those adjectives, all those vivid nouns, you know, dressed in purple and linen, sumptuous feasts. Well, after all of that, it doesn't matter because with just a few words, the rich man also died. With five words, the rich man also died. Everybody dies. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter your social status. Doesn't matter how much money in the bank or how much influence you have in the community. Everybody dies. A researcher was sitting across the desk from a county executive and the researcher said, what's the death rate in your county? And the county executive said, well, I guess the same as yours, one per person. Everybody dies. One death per person. That's the death rate in Cole County. I checked it out before this sermon. We all die. Death is the great leveler. Death is the great leveler. Death is the great equalizer. Death brings a perspective to life, which is one of the reasons Jesus told this story. Now, I want you to notice what is not present in this story. Jesus does not say that the rich man is in hell because he mistreated Lazarus. In fact, maybe to the contrary. For the rich man to allow Lazarus to hang around his outer gate perhaps means that he was showing a little mercy. Doesn't say that he was cruel to Lazarus. The real indictment of the rich man seems to be that he never really saw Lazarus. Oh, he he saw the shape of a body, but he never looked in his face. He never looked in his eyes. He never listened to his story. He never thought about Lazarus' needs. He never really saw Lazarus with his eyes and with his heart. Something happens to us when we get money. And by the way, if you have food to eat and clothes to wear, you're better off than half the people in the world today. Something happens to us when we achieve a degree of financial security. 
Something happens to us that we become consumed with keeping what we have and we become less concerned with others and other people start becoming invisible. Something happens to us. I, I brought a dollar bill with me to the uh, pulpit. I don't always keep a dollar bill in my Bible. But you know, I can hold this dollar bill out here and I can still see all of you. But I move it a little closer and I can see most of you. But some of you are invisible now. But when I hold this dollar bill really close, when it becomes the only thing I see, I can't see any of you. You are all invisible because of this dollar bill. In life, the rich man could not see Lazarus. He only sees him in death from the eternal perspective, from hell up to heaven. And do you, do you get this picture? Even when the rich man sees Lazarus, he still looks upon Lazarus as his servant. Uh, Abraham, would you have Lazarus go fetch me uh, a glass of ice water? It's really hot down here. As if Lazarus is still his servant, as if he's still beneath him in eternity. And then the second time he orders Abraham to order Lazarus, he says, go, have Lazarus go and warn my five brothers. A second errand. He arrogantly wants to send him on. But, oh, there's more. Send him to my five brothers. The rich man still does not see Lazarus as his brother. He doesn't see Lazarus as one created by God and his equal. Lazarus is still invisible to him because he doesn't think of him as, as family and as important. Gustavo Gutierrez wrote one time, you say you love poor people? What are their names? You say you care about poor people? Name one. Name one you know, personally. Mariela uh, is a woman who lives in Guatemala. She has no use of her legs. So every day she crawls to the city plaza to beg. And as she crawls with her nose or, or with her free hand, she pushes a bowl. She pushes that bowl in front of her so that she may lie there and receive alms as she begs to eke out a living. Mariella uh, was there one day and uh, a Baptist pastor saw her. He befriended her. He started getting acquainted with her and knowing of her needs and he began to share his faith with her. And as he began to share his faith with her, she began to open her life to him. Now a mission team from Missouri went there under the auspices of ChurchNet, Baptist General Convention of Missouri. 
And that Missouri team went there, and one of the team members had been told by his church, here's a wad of cash, don't come home with it, we want you to find a need, and we want you to, to use it for that need. They learned the story of Mariala. They bought her a wheelchair, and I want to show you this picture of her in her wheelchair. That's the Sunday morning when they are presenting her with the surprise wheelchair in the morning worship, and they tell us there was not a dry eye in the house as Mariella received her wheelchair. And then the second picture is one of her uh, leaving church that morning with the ribbon still on the wheelchair. She'd been crawling to the city plaza day after day, week after week, month after month, and nobody saw her until somebody saw her and she was no longer invisible. This past week I was in Ukraine. Uh, we drove one day to the far western Ukraine uh, near the uh, border of Poland, out in the rural areas. We came upon the home uh, of, a, of a very, very poor family. I want to show you a picture of two girls. Uh, these are two girls. They had uh, three other siblings. A mother and father live there. Uh, they live in squalor. It's, it's uh, more than I can describe. Uh, their living conditions, the, the two girls, they're all just as precious as can be. The mother and father uh, began to relate this story to us through the translator. Uh, they live near two or three churches in a remote village, but a Baptist church about 10, 15 miles away through many rough roads has befriended them. The mother and father share this story. They said, we are on the verge of divorce. We were ready to end our marriage and to place all of our children in an orphanage. And then this pastor in this church began to care about us. We began to read the Bible. We began to hear about God's love in Jesus Christ. And they said, we don't want to get a divorce anymore. God is working in our lives. God's love is real to us. And then the mother said, and God has also blessed us financially. We now have two pigs and a goat. We can survive. All these other churches and all these other people around them, but it took a Baptist mission 10 or 15 miles away, to see them, really see them as people, and to love them, and to care about them. Do you catch the flip-flop in this story that Jesus told uh, the Gospels, especially Luke, love to do this reversal? Lazarus has been on the outside looking in all his life, and now he's on the inside looking out. But it's an irreversible reversal. There's a great chasm fixed so that the one cannot cross to the other. It's an irreversible reversal that Jesus wants us to know about. Now, I don't know about you, but I really wish Jesus had not said so much about wealth and possessions because it really makes me uncomfortable. I really wish that Jesus hadn't talked about hell. I wish Jesus hadn't talked so much about eternal life and about consequences and judgment. It makes us all very uncomfortable. 
disturbs our peace. But he did. The rich man had closed his heart to Lazarus. And when his heart was closed to Lazarus, his heart was also closed to God. The way he treated Lazarus is an indication of the condition of his heart in his relationship to God. The way we treat others has consequences. The way we respond to God has eternal consequences. It was the Russian author Dostoevsky who said that the best definition of hell, the best definition of hell is being unable to love. Hell is being incapable of loving. I've mentioned to you before that uh, one of my favorite movies is Invictus, the story of Nelson Mandela's presidency uh, of South Africa trying to bring that deeply troubled nation together after decades and centuries of apartheid and racial, racial hatred. Morgan Freeman plays the part of uh, Mandela. Matt Damon plays the part of a, of a, a star athlete. And Matt, Matt Damon's character is summoned uh, for a, a private tea He's summoned to the presidential palace one day uh, and he's nervous about uh, being in the presence of so great a man. And as he's walking uh, to the uh, appointment with President Mandela, uh, he asked the security guard who's escorting him, he said, what's, uh, what's Mr. Mandela like? What's the president like? And, and the security guard answered this way. He said, the previous president, uh, the, the, to the previous president, I was to be invisible. But he said, uh, this president knows that I like English toffee. And the last time he was in Great Britain, he brought back to me some English toffee. He said to this president, no one is invisible. To this president, no one is invisible. And I want to say to you this morning that to this Savior Jesus, no one is invisible. To this God of ours who has made himself known in Jesus Christ, no one is invisible. Everybody matters. And no matter who you are this morning, no matter what you've done, no matter how far away from God you may feel you are or what you've done or not done, God sees you, God loves you, and God cares. He sent his son Jesus Christ to live for you and to die for you and to be raised again to offer you power to be forgiven and that life might be new. You're not invisible. And to the believers here this morning, I would say, we serve a Savior to whom no one is invisible. And learning to see people is an acquired habit. I don't think you're born with the capacity to see invisible people. I think it's an acquired habit that takes practice. And we need to build muscle memory 
practicing seeing the invisible people around us. And I got a word for you from Jesus this morning. He wants us to start practicing. He wants us to start exercising. He wants us to learn to see invisible people. Let's pray together.